Peace be to you. In the Cabin B. Let us begin with a question. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Curiously Catholic. This is a podcast where we like to talk to Catholic enthusiasts about how to be Catholic in contemporary times. I'm Dominic Malagieri, and today we've got a deacon... Isaac Franson, how's it going, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, Dom. Good. Man. Yeah. So it's a it's a intro that I'm not getting, I'm not used to yet. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the case with it, like all ch- uh, changes in life. Like I remember, just after I got married, it's kind of like my wife, <laughs> <laughs> Jessica. Uh, it's kind of like I'm a married man. Yeah. I have a wife. I am a husband. <laughs> you know, Mr. and Mrs. Malgieri. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, yeah, Although yeah. I, I don't introduce myself as Deacon Isaac yet, but no, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it'd be kind of a bit arrogant. Like I am most Reverend Deacon Isaac Franson. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, Isaac, you can just say hi. We've yeah. known each other for years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, yeah. I suppose you don't actually get to use your title much. Mm. But do you get it? You obviously get on like post and stuff. Do you? Yeah. You change yeah. Time? Like the. Um, on Facebook, some of the congratulations is, you know, people like to be as proper as they can. Oh, yeah. And others just put in their own sort of touch as well. So, yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Someone was saying, was it um, Reverend Deacon Mister? Oh. Apparently, the Reverend Deacon Mister implies that you're not a permanent deacon. But I'm not sure how that works. Oh, okay, because you're a transitional deacon. Because I'm a transitional deacon, yeah. yeah. But to be honest... I, I never heard of that until just yesterday. Well, so. I mean, I suppose it's only a thing that would happen for a year, right? Because yeah. you're only a transitional degree. Right. Yeah. So I guess people don't really... There's probably a, a proper etiquette that people don't usually get to use because it's a, such a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so usually how we start these episodes is we get a bit of an idea of who I'm talking to uh, by ask, answering the question, how did you get to the point you are today? Are you a convert? Are you a, a cradle Catholic? How did you get to know where you're... How do you get to know God in, in the church? Yeah, um, so I, I am a cradle Catholic. Um, I come from a family of um, seven boys. Um, I'm the fifth. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it was quite cool because five, no, six, six of the six of us were at the ordination, um, five of my brothers. So, um, yeah, but that was just on Sunday. And, yeah, it's been a different journey in a sense to, to many others. Like I remember... Um, just as we were taking photos at the end of the, was it the end of the ordination, Bishop Michael sort of had a little jab into me and he said, "Oh, my little brother Reuben was coming into the, into the, into the picture of, for photos and that sort of thing." He said, "He's the one who made you, in a sense, you know." And I would say that, <clears throat> um, I'd probably agree with him in a way there because, yeah, my little brother Reuben, who's ten years younger than me, who's the youngest in the family, has had a pretty big impact on. Oh in yeah, our family life. But um, yeah, seven seven boys grew up on a dairy farm. Oh wow! And uh, just outside of Hamilton City. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So uh, how how did you how did your youngest brother impact you? Yeah. So being ten years um, younger than I, I was um, just finishing primary school when he was born, and yeah, he's he's now um, eighteen months after he was born, he was diagnosed with Dravet's syndrome, which is like severe autism and epilepsy. Yeah, when he first kind of had uh, some difficulties there in his, um, when he was 18 months old, he had his first seizure and that sort of changed the family dynamic and changed, the, I guess, the direction of the family and, and I guess also 
um, the way that we um, lived as a family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not dramatically, but just, you know, in a sense of caring for Reuben and mm-hmm. also, um, our, I guess, our perspective on life, perhaps, but also on, it made me question at a young age, you know, um, the value of life, but also understanding the gift of life when someone who, you know, doesn't really have much of a, you know, a gift of talents or, or, or efficiency that we might see in the world today of, you know, oh, you can do so much or you're very good at this or you're very good at that. Mm. But um, even then, you know, the gift of Reuben's life is, although it's been costly in many different ways, it's taught me so many different things and I think has brought a lot of people, you know, quite a bit of joy but also a bit of kind of <laughs> questioning a lot of things as well, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. But no, so, yeah. Reuben, a great gift to my family and probably a huge gift to my faith as well. Yeah, it's like um, how clams make pearls, isn't it? Yeah. Have you heard about that? It's like they, they close and there's a, a grain of sand gets caught in the clam and, it's, and it, it irritates them. And so that, that creates a pearl because the process is they start coating it and coating it and coating it to get rid of the irritation and eventually it makes a pearl. Oh. And, you know, pearls are very valuable. But it would never have happened without that irritation. And I suppose um, we all need that in our life. I mean, it's something that I've been very aware of in my faith journey is um, not that, you know, I suppose life isn't supposed to be easy. And I've come to learn to love and and, and really enjoy kind of like the uh, quote-unquote suffering of life, the little things that are just niggle you and it's mm. like this is an opportunity for sanctity this is an opportunity for growth mm. and uh, it was through uh reading saint Therese of Lisieux that came to really hit home so that i was like oh wow this is how we embrace suffering and all of a sudden it's not something i reject but something that i embrace mm. and i suppose i'm reluctant to say that you know it's it, it's suffering for you to have your brother, but it's 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 something that stops you from living complacently and starts you think gets you actually mm. engaging with Indeed, life. Yeah, yeah. 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 Saint Therese is a, a little big one, hey. Yeah, a little big one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's great. Yeah, um, Saint Therese. So that sounds that sounds. I mean, especially in the current climate of uh, learning about the value of life and the value in the value of life in itself, and not just as a as a, a usage. It just sounds so like, especially the way you articulate, it's really beautiful. Um, so, how did um, your relationship with God come into that that uh, that formation that your brother gave you? Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously, it comes from the family too. Um, so, you know been in a family of six boys we we always used to go to mass on sunday and you know we'd you know we'd go to um the ordinary um you know church events and that sort of thing and very involved in the parish but um i would say that <clears throat> ruben sort of just kind of had a, a niggly kind of um effect on my life going forward you know from that point on in terms of how i viewed life um i wouldn't say or wouldn't know how it directly impacted my prayer life or my spiritual life or um, questions in that regard. But, um, yeah, it definitely did impact me in terms, in terms of looking at, um, I guess, my, my relationship with Christ, but more impacting my direction in life. Like I, I ask questions about, you know, what is it that the Lord is, is wanting of me? Um, probably much younger than I would have if I didn't have my, um, my mm. little brother Reuben. Um, so, yeah, like I remember 
my brother Richard, who's over in Netherlands now, we used to live in the same room, um, Jake as well, for a while. And, yeah, I remember chatting with him when I was a young young age, probably 10 or 12, something like that. And he was saying, you know, we're talking about what we'd want to be when we grow up and that sort of thing. And for some reason I, I can remember this conversation I had with Richard about how um, I... I don't know how I knew, but I somehow knew that becoming a priest would take seven years of study. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, heck, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to do that. So, mm. And I don't have the drive for that. So I, I remember saying to Richard that I'd be happy to just be the gardener, you know, or the, or the guy that, um, the sacristan. We used to have a, a guy in our parish who I remember um, used to go around and prepare everything for the priest and make it all ready and that. And obviously I was an, I was an altar boy or whatever. But um, so I remember saying to Richie, oh, I'd be happy just to be the sacristan, you know. Oh, yeah. And you have a family as well, because I knew that, you know, you have to be right. celibate. Um, but uh, yeah, and then, and I would say that Reuben had an impact on, I guess, my love for the church mm. and also um, seeing what is good that was there, even at a young age. Mm. Um, yeah. It's amazing what sticks with you, eh? Because, um, like, being a convert, like, obviously, being a priest was never on the cards for me growing up. But like my my, my one of my earliest kind of dreams of what I wanted uh, life to be like as I grew up was it was the you know the white picket fence, two point four kids, a Land Rover, uh, <laughs> and like that's that's what I wanted. And I wanted to you know do things for my bride, you know you know romantic gestures and stuff. That was always something that was on my mind. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's like when I was a kid. That was before I was even interested in girls. You yeah, yeah. But you know, like being a convert, something I never experienced in life was going to church at a young age um, as a family with, I guess, a group of like more intentional people. So, what was that experience like for you, especially with six other brothers? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. Like, I guess like we, we used to have, but it wasn't a passionist family group. But that's a, a community thing that they used to have back then. But we did have a group of young families that were around us. So um, I remember the the Moffat girls were good good friends of ours, and their mum and dad. Uh, we used to go around there and catch up with them. And so we, there was kind of this culture we had, where you know on a Sunday we'd spend time with them, or we'd um, after mass, or you'd um, there was kind of this yeah. I would say that being immersed in that Catholic environment was just it seemed normal. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was. It was. You could say that it sort of had that sense of maybe um, fraternity in it that um, just helped us along the way. But I mean, I I remember saying to some people as well, like a big impact on me would be my older brothers as well, because they, right. you know, I've got four of them, five of them, four. Um, and my oldest brother went and did mission work with Net Ministries when I was maybe thirteen. Um, okay. And so. You know, seeing him go over and you know get charged on fire for the Lord, and mm-hmm. for two years, you know, um, doing youth ministry in that sort of in that sort of way, it has an impact on me. You know, mm-hmm. hearing his stories, um, and then two of my other brothers, well, actually all three of the other ones too, um, were involved in ministry in some particular way. Mm-hmm. And I remember missing out on youth groups and that sort of thing because I was too young. So I, was right. that, I was that younger brother that uh, all the older brothers would go to youth group, or you know, or two of them would or whatever, and I'd miss out and. You know, it's, it builds that anticipation and then mm-hmm. um, yeah, all these other little things. but mm-hmm. And that comes with the culture and then the friendship. And, yeah, mm. you do become a bit of a, 
just an extra Franson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, when I moved to New Zealand, that was one of, one of the first families I heard of with the Fransons. Uh, yeah. I think my, my younger brother, actually, he's <clears throat> back from overseas at the moment, and uh, his Levis jersey is only a Franson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I only had one older brother, but I did experience a little bit of that because cause he was older than me um, at school and we were part of the army cadets for a while. So I was little Malgeri. Mm. It's like, oh, there is a Malgeri that's been before you. Yeah. And, you know, kind of like, but yeah, I can only imagine the effect of being, well, you're the fifth? Yeah. The fifth. Yeah. yeah. So you had four, four ahead of you yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, paving the way. But even, even, even fell in, in, in secular circles as well. Like I went to engineering at Waikato and I remember signing up for my first lab you know in the you know, this is my first time I've been in a lecture hall of like 200 people put my name down for, for the lecture and he says oh you Mark's brother and I was like <coughs> <laughs> and the lecturer knew my brother from about five years earlier so right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he obviously did the same degree so <laughs> okay yeah. five years earlier yeah, yeah. oh man that's hilarious yeah. obviously Mark made a, an impression yeah he made his mark yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you thought that um, you thought that seven years in seminary was a bit much, but uh, an engineering degree wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was much later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was as you as you grew up, you thought actually university is not that bad. So uh, <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, obviously and then, now and then now. We're, Perpetual student, you could say. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm very much in the same same boat. I uh, this is my third university I've attended. Uh, I started doing. I went from so we have like sixth form college, which is years uh, twelve and thirteen. Um, I went from there to do one year of social work combined with child and youth studies because mm. I thought I wasn't clever enough to be a doctor or a nurse. And then I went from there to Wales to study religious studies and theology for three years. And then I was a volunteer missionary for um, one year. I moved to New Zealand, labourer for eight, and then a Catholic chaplain for seven. And now I'm back in University of Auckland studying to be a nurse. Uh, and I'm two years into it. And, and even even when you weren't studying and you were doing work, you were actually like immersed in the tertiary scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I never yeah. I never stopped being student because like you know the, the formation year. I suppose the only time I wasn't doing any real like uh, learning was as eight years as a labourer. And I suppose that was a different type of school. It was the school of hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because I was uh, <laughs> I was really thrown into it because like. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I was like a city boy, but I wasn't a uh, rural boy either. Mm. And so I, I was, I was working for a mechanical engineer who had been raised on farms, and a guy that uh, was a builder all his life, and he'd been on dairy farms as well. And then I come along, and it's kind of like, you know, I used to have a Meccano set as a kid, um, <laughs> but like, uh, never really swung a hammer you know, or yeah, yeah. use a chainsaw or anything. And this guy's looking at me like, what am I going to do with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just go and mow the lawn. <laughs> I was yeah. good at that. Um, but yeah. yeah, so that was a different kind of learning. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I kind of, again, I guess we're all all like perpetual students. And then that's kind of like the mission of Evangelion is to yeah. help more people learn about the faith and the truth of the gospel. Yeah, um, and it's, that's a, a such a crucial disposition, you know, to, mm. to be kind of, docile to 
receiving more, you know, rather than like, oh, I think I've got it sorted, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and if you lose your, I guess, your taste or your desire, then, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think you've made it, probably haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that's often like uh, the perception, like of definitely becoming a parent and getting married made me realise like, wow. My parents had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> and like this whole, my whole life has been a lie. It's kind of like, you know, oh, I'll get the adults to help out. It's like, what's a freaking adult? Who knows what an adult is? <laughs> it's like. Someone over the age of 18, or 16. <laughs> what, what, what day is it? What, yeah. what age is it now? When, when 20 was kind of like, they're grown up, you know, and I'm now 32 and I'm still looking for someone to. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So where's the grown ups here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I want to show to my children. Not that dad doesn't have it all together, but dad's always trying, you know? Yeah. Um, he's a work in progress and he knows it and he's, and he's, he gets some successes along the way and we get to see those and, yeah. but we also get to see how he got there. Yeah. Um, rather than trying to produce a finished product, you know, you're trying yeah. to continue a uh, work in progress. Um, yeah. And I think that's something I always saw it in my friends and like there's a perception of this maybe amongst our generation of kind of like only show the people the finished product. Mm. Don't show anyone you're trying. And I was like, I never liked that because it's like, I was never, (laughs) yeah, I was like, but I'm never finished. (laughs) Why are you guys finished? (laughs) Um, And if things come like, and again, it comes back to that, like kind of joyful suffering and embracing the suffering. Like if it's easy, then it's kind of not worth my time. And, like, that's something I've had to have beaten to me as I, you know, left England, came to New Zealand, got married, had kids. You know, it's kind of like um, all of a sudden I couldn't just glide through life, you know. Mm. Um, I had to actually apply myself, which was difficult, and you you look like a fool sometimes. But, um, you know. Yeah, it's always an interesting one, like, because you know you can fall into a sort of a quite a stoic way of life there, when you <clears throat> when it's like oh you know the hard way is the only way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but at least we have saints like like little big Saint Therese. Little big. <laughs> um, you know where she she sort of she loves to pipe on about you know um, you know if there is a smarter way of doing it, mm. like if there's a more intelligent way of doing it, you know don't do it the stoic way. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like if you can love Our Lady and 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 get you know, <laughs> a more sure way to heaven and love Our Lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, she will help you. <laughs> yeah, man, it's awesome. Um, you know, don't, you don't have to pave your way on your own kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, there's, um, but there is definitely in life that, that sense that, um, yeah, it's, I guess the attractions might be, at first might seem to be an easy way of life or something, but then, you know, it's definitely got its, its moments of, hard slog mm. and you just gotta bite the bullet yeah 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 mm. and uh that kind of like i guess i could segue that into your formation yeah and so you've how many years you've been in seminary now yeah so this is now my sixth year sixth year i went straight from engineering into seminary which <laughs> i don't know why actually i do know why i did it but it was it was a bit of a transition that mm. at the time i was like stoked about but at the Later on, I was like, man, I wish I just had it a bit less time study, yeah, yeah. studying. But, um, right, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to delay it, you know. Um, I didn't want to put off the Lord's call. Yeah, that so... Was, that was in my heart. You start, why did you start the engineering degree? Good question. <laughs> I mean, I loved engineering. I loved... I mean, coming off a dairy farm, yeah. I, I kind of... 
really, you know, I, I love getting into designing things or making things. And, you know, I grew up with brothers around me that always liked little projects and, you know, we had a tree house and we, you know, my brothers made like a couch. Did, we, did you ever see the couch bike? No. Did you, uh, do you remember Parachute Music Festival? Yeah, I do. Did you go to one of them? I did go. I went to the last one. The last one. Okay. So like maybe three or four before the last one. Um, one of my brothers, or two of my brothers, made a couch bike. So you, it was like a four-seater couch. Right. You could pedal around on wheels. It was awesome. Ah. Um, yeah, so we always had these little projects that we loved <laughs> to make. And, yeah, so, yeah, engineering was kind of, it was a, a natural kind of uh, choice. Right, okay. Um, so that was kind of just going with the flow I, a bit, was it? Going with the flow, but also one that I enjoyed. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, when it comes to your um, life decisions, you know, you, you don't just go and choose, like, singing when you've never sung for, you know, or you've never had a good voice. (laughs) I mean, Um, I do sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, practice helps. And, and, you know, growing up on a dairy farm, engineering was an attraction, you know, a a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I was like, yeah, why not not give this a shot? So were you, did you have an inkling of your um, vocation to the priesthood then? I did, I did, but I, I sort of felt I was too young. Right. In a sense of like, um, yeah, I was like, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. Right. And I was like, Lord, I'm I'm willing, but at the same time, can I can I try this first? Okay. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so that was so I went into engineering, and I did, I did one year of engineering, and then I <clears throat> went to um, World Youth Day in 2011, and that was in Madrid, and I remember going to my engineering supervisor or the the Dean of Studies, and I said, can I take a month off engineering next year to go to World Youth Day? I, I didn't say World Youth Day, but... Um, and she's like, no. Nah. <laughs> she's like, That's, that'll, that'll put your studies off too much, you know? Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll just take the whole year off then. Because <laughs> um, I was so keen to, to right. go to World Youth Day in 2011, so... Yeah. So I did that. Um, uh, and I actually left um, engineering after my first year and was kind of like... I think I'll throw it, throw it in the bag, you know, I think I'm done. Mm. So it was quite a tough year. Um, but uh, I actually worked in an engineering firm for that year before going to World Youth Day and then was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going back to engineering. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't want to get an apprenticeship or whatever. Right, I so see. So go on with the studies and, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, that's cool. So. And so what was Madrid like for you? Awesome. The youth office in Hamilton prepped the... Um, tour for it it was a 33 day pilgrimage right and it was epic we had like a journey through france and then 10 day pilgrimage on the al camino the way of oh, st james yeah. and then about three days in rome and then you know 10 days in, yeah. in madrid as well for youth day so uh, it was it was an mm. awesome trip that's yeah. so funny because madrid was uh the year i converted Oh wow! Yeah, and it's like yeah, I I I've just become a Catholic and I just finished my degree. Yeah, and that's a, and so I didn't have a parish because I converted at university, so I kind of went back home and said, "Ask your parish to fundraise for you." He's like, "What's a parish?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, um, the Catholic Society at University was my parish, and they're from all over the you know yeah. they're, they're, they're poor students as well. Yeah. Like I didn't have a job, I didn't have any income, and so I just I was like. People are like, oh, you should go. Oh, you'd love it. It's like, yeah, just give me 500 quid. <laughs> I don't have it. Um, but, yeah, because then I went and did a spec. And, again, that was another thing, which is like a missionary community in um, Westminster Diocese. Yeah. And 
I went to Spec and everyone had just come back from Madrid because they're um, <clears throat> the people that were coming back from the second year for their second year. The Spec paid for them to go. Oh, yeah. And I was kind of like, and, I just, and like ever since I, I've I've not been able to go. Then I moved to New Zealand, and it's like long way away from <laughs> Rio <laughs> and Krakow, um, uh, and it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to go to one because it's already been to Sydney, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'll just have to wait till uh, Jemima's old enough to go, mm. and I'll take. Uh, <laughs> I'll be a chaperone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, because I've I've heard amazing things about the World Youth Day experience. And I just, you know, I guess the, the closest I came is to Auckland Youth Day. <laughs> that mm. happened at the same time as the Rio one. Yeah. I mean, the, to be honest, I, I went to World Youth Day in 2008 too. And that probably had more impact on me of the event of World Youth Day itself. Um, and seeing like the universe, universalness of the faith, you know, mm. experiencing this sense of, um, you know, South Americans that are like crazy party, you know, like mm. banging drums at midnight kind of dancing and that sort of thing and, and, and you just want to sleep in Randwick you know? <laughs> and, but it was English as well so like all the talks that I went to right. um, the catechesis was all in English so I could kind of follow it and when we went to World Youth in Madrid although we had talks in English um, I think it was much harder to find the, the English stream things and it was it was much it was 4 million people like it was right. colossal like um, compared to 400,000 and so it was just kind of Australia. walking around uh, Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the World Youth Day experience was, was, was cool in Madrid. But I would say that for me, the bigger impact was the pilgrimage itself that, that the Hamilton Diocese went on. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful yeah. And uh, we went to places like um, Therese of Lisieux. Yeah. We went to Lisieux, beautiful big basilica in the middle of nowhere in a small town. And the basilica is bigger than like, it's almost as big as St. Peter's. Like it's oh, really? huge. Yeah. Maybe not the size of the church, but the height of it is. Yeah. You know, also we went to St. John Vianney. Oh, wow. Where he's from in Cure, Ars. Curie Ars, yeah. Curie, Curie of Ars. Mm. Um, and that was that was powerful. You know, like at that point, the vocation was stirring within me. Oh. And um, the vocations director in Hamilton, Bishop Michael, um, he actually asked me before I went to take some... Because um, I was working at the engineering firm mm-hmm. and... I laser cut some necklaces, okay. a little Cairo, so P- right. P- PX, <clears throat> and had it inscribed on it, you know, St. John Vianney, pray for us. And then I took it to the, the grave of St. John Vianney and then had it blessed by a priest there oh, in ours. And, um, yeah, it was just beautiful, you know, to go there to where the patron saint yeah. priests you know, yeah, is man. And, um, and to pray at his grave. And, do you still and, have that, a necklace heart. of that? I do have the necklace still, yeah. Sick. Actually... Somewhere at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in New Zealand, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that must be intense. That's another thing that's a pretty crazy about my conversion. It's kind of like I converted in Europe and I moved to New Zealand not knowing about any pilgrimage sites. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I've been to Rome twice before becoming Catholic. Yeah. And so I've never been to any... Um, well, we did a bit of a tour of places in Europe to maybe lesser-known places, Um uh, for our honeymoon, but like it's kind of like I converted Catholicism, and I could have gone to like Lourdes, Lisieux, especially after reading about Teresa of Lisieux, and I could have gone to all these places. But no, I went to New Zealand, and uh, now I'm never going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You might you might have a little bit of quid to to help you to get over with your yeah maybe with one your day kids one day yeah, yeah you know the nursing salary. 
Uh, well, I have a no, parish the podcast, now. man. The podcast. Oh, will bring yeah, it yeah. In. <laughs> yeah. So, if you want to donate to uh, Evangelion, please visit us at Evangelion. Put up the end it. You know, yeah, want to get a Patreon page. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, you've in your second year of your engineering degree, you took a year off, did Madrid, um, but it was the pilgrimage where you, you know, you get to meet all these the places of all these great saints, and this really had this. This, this this niggling or in, inkling that you had to become a priest before you started a degree was that when it really came into yeah it was it was a big impact on it yeah mm. um, Madrid was um, but I I came back to New Zealand knowing that I was still young you know like twenty what would it be twenty twenty one mm-hmm. and um, I still was kind of like I think I've got a bit of time under my belt you know I'm I'm still and my spiritual director at the time encouraged me to finish my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't an easy like okay let's go do the degree like that's another three years you know? yeah right <laughs> um, so but I felt it, it would help me and I was I was happy with that and I just didn't quite feel the Lord was calling me at that point to seminary yeah so I went back back the following year to engineering so I was now with a, n- a new year group um, but had a few friends ahead of me as well so but it was you know it was it was good to go back and um, I did enjoy, actually probably enjoyed the last year of engineering <laughs> more than the two in the middle. All right. But, um, yeah, because they were a pretty hard slog. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the research projects and the design project was pretty enjoyable in the last year. Oh, very good. Um, but the all the mathematics and that sort of thing, and it was, wasn't, was you know, a walk in the park. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I find that with degrees. I mean, um, I was just reflecting on uh, our first year of nursing, and it's kind of like you think of the nursing profession as like, yeah, you get you know, one-on-one patient contact and you're caring for those people and you're helping them with their condition. And the first thing, two things they get you to study is cellular biology and population health. And it's like, I was like, that's like saying, I'm going to teach you to drive a car. Here's some motor oil and some um, wind washer fluid. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to the car in a minute. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's right. it's kind of like yeah. forget the people for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look at look at all the people at the same time, and then look at the tiny this, the micro microbiology of it all as well. It's like when do we actually get to the patients? It's like we'll get there. Have mm. some patience. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> have some patience, but no patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have this patience, not that patience. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you uh, you finish your degree, and then you enter seminary to do seven years more study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I tried not to look at it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I didn't really. Um, and it, 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 it comes down to really, like I remember saying to my friends when I left. I think when I was, I was in my final year, and I was I was going to apply for um, graduate programs, and and then I said to my spiritual director, I said, "There's something not right about this." You know, like I don't feel like the Lord's calling me to get into work. I didn't want to kind of put off the Lord's call too long. Mm. You know, and I didn't want to get. This sounds really. You know, pathetic or whatever, but I didn't want to get into the, I guess the whole money sense of engineering and 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 start making a lot of money or whatever. But at the same time, I also knew that when it comes to engineering, you you have to learn. You know, the first two or three years as an engineer, you know, even five years, is very formational. Like, uh, oh, that's a horrible word. A very um, <laughs> very uh, like base. You know, mm. they're, they're still training you. You know, right. And so I felt like I didn't. Didn't really want to 
pursue that and then and then I knew it would be hard to leave within like one or two years three right. years right and so I was like I think it's a, an opportunity now to really kind of ponder the call more seriously mm. and um, and so I spoke with my spiritual director um, a number of times and um, yeah made the decision probably maybe halfway through my final year and amazingly I enjoyed the rest of that year a lot mm-hmm. even though I'd started the process of applying for seminary and, and was at peace with that mm-hmm. um, and uh, I got great good grades as well for that final final year so yeah I was pretty stoked with that but that, that was the transition it was sort of yeah I think the Lord's calling me now to go to seminary and, and right. I think um, and so you're feeling that time. coming to the end of your final year so it wasn't like you got the degree and then you were like actually maybe I should go to seminary it was like as you were coming to those final grades it was like that's right it's like what next you know wow. um, yeah. and I was like you know this has been on my heart for a long time mm-hmm. in, uh, s- seminary um, but I think I think now is an opportunity to to really Make that call, you know, or well, not make that call, but respond, or right, yeah, 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 or kind of like take a step give forward. seminary a shot and just see if the Lord affirms <clears throat> that. Whether the Lord says no, 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 you know, this has been on your heart for a while, but mm. you know, I know you've decided to um, give it a shot, but I'm not, I'm not calling you in that direction. Yeah, um, but yeah, things opened up and and it was a very smooth transition and and I loved it. It was yeah. good. How would you view um, seminary? Because I think it can often look like oh, it's a degree, in the same way like with an engineering degree. You go in, you get your degree, you become an engineer. You know, it's the degree you do to become a priest. Mm. It's like, um, would you agree with that? Or, I mean, because, I mean, there's well, people... I wouldn't get crucified for saying that I agree with that, but I, I probably wouldn't be appraised <laughs> by, the, by the seminary formation stuff. I mean, there's, there's different facets to seminary life. You know? Yeah, because it's definitely and, a degree element, right? Yeah, yeah. So they call it four different pillars. You've got spiritual formation, human formation pastoral formation and academic formation so that last one academic formation is the degree side of things so everybody sees that everybody realizes because you know i come back home when the degree or when university is on holiday or break you know i go back to hamilton Mm -hmm. spend some time with family but then there's also alongside all of that university um, academic formation there's time for spiritual direction and also like the spiritual formation is kind of coupled with the spiritual life that we have here in the seminary. And that's, you know, daily mass, daily liturgy, the hours where you're praying the Psalms and, and scripture readings and that sort of thing. And, and that, that does really form you um, and, and has an impact on you um, as you get into that routine and into the, I guess, the beauty of praying those prayers and, and diving more and more deeply into them. Yeah, so I've, for six years now, I've been within that sort of routine of the spiritual formation. And then human formation is another aspect, and that's where you basically go into the formator's office and he gets out a hammer and chisel and, and says, this is wrong with you, <laughs> and, like, hammers and chisels into you. But it's not that crude, but um, it can feel like that sometimes. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you make a mistake in seminary and they ask you a question, and, and it's a, a classic, like, formation issue, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's healthy ones and then there's other ones that you might... You might find you're challenged by the staff, and you might find it's a bit a bit overdone. Right. Um, but that's that's all part of it, man. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess there's a similar facet to that of you know marriage of like uh, obviously only talking from a husband's perspective, but you know you know sometimes it can feel like a hammer and chisel's being applied to me. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like I realized going into marriage, it's kind of like oh wow, guys are actually um, disgusting, and <laughs> we need we need to be domesticated. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I attribute all my successes in the past uh, seven years to my wife because without her, I wouldn't have seen 
the things that needed to be changed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I suppose is Juice, I, is Juice listening? Uh, <laughs> hopefully not. No, uh, <laughs> it's like your 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 formation's working, honey. You can stop. <laughs> um, but like you know, it's just it's just little things. Like actually, yeah, I am I am bad at that, and actually, I do need to pick up in this area and stuff. And I, I mean, I, I imagine it's similar for her, but I. Mm. Uh, it, it probably wouldn't be in a more in such a uh, formal capacity. Mm. It'd be more in a she's angry. What have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole house feels cold for some reason. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So seminary is, uh, you know, it's 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 the full package, it, the ultimate degree in the sense that it's kind of like uh, you you are getting a qualification, but you're also being asked along the way, why are you doing this? Is this the right mm. path for you? Mm. Uh, which, you know, it's kind of like what I try to do during chaplaincy uh, when I had students coming and it's kind of like, you know, why are you putting accounting onto your, uh, why are you doing a paper in accounting alongside this? It's like, oh, no, it's commerce. Everyone used to do that. It's like, I'm going to do a commerce paper. It's like, yeah, but you're doing an, you know, you're doing like, like an arts degree, you know, like mm. you're doing fine art. Why are you doing a commerce? It's like, oh, so I can get a job afterwards. It's like, well, if everyone has a commerce paper, it's not special, is it? Mm. You know, and so I had this massive conversation with someone once, and they were like, "Wow!" And then did the commerce paper. Um, <laughs> and they did the commerce paper, yeah. yeah, 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 and hated every inch of it because yeah, it's yeah. not who they are. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, so like, it sounds like a, a real. Uh, do you think is that why it takes seven years? Is it just a three-year degree? It has all these extra add-ons. Well, I mean, uh, I'll have you know, Dom, that here in New Zealand we do cut the corners a little bit. Oh um, no! And and that's because New Zealand, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we don't. There's a thing called the ratio, which is basically what Rome says a seminarian, so what Isaac or Deacon Isaac, whatever you want to say, mm. has to know, um, or you know, padre, um, because. Yeah, and so there's all these different academic papers that are required before Isaac can mm. can um, can be released. Um, but uh, yeah, it's and and we don't fulfil all of those. Um, right. But um, and I, f- I think there's there's reasons for that and there's allowances for that. Um, but yeah, we're obviously most of the formation is 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 um, carried out here and like we do. So alongside the academic formation, we also have. Um, people that come in here to the seminary and give us talks on, you know, safeguarding, talks on, um, you know, like confession and the seal of confession, because mm. you may not cover that so much in an academic paper, right? Right. Um, or liturgy. Um, we have papers on um, liturgy and that sort of thing, but perhaps more in a celebratory sense, you know, they'll teach us a little bit about liturgy. Um, yeah, and, and so there's, there's also other things that happen here in the seminary. And so it's kind of interesting when people... They often say, "Oh, you know, can the seminary do this, or can you do this in the seminary, or can you can you help me with this?" It's, we often get asked by the formation staff, like, "Why are you why are you always going out of the seminary to do this, or out of the seminary to do that?" And it's because you know, here in the seminary, that it is it's a bit nuclear, but um, at the same time, there's a lot that goes on that's not just academic study. Mm, mm. Um, and the, the other um, side of the formation they love to pipe on about, which is good and necessary. Uh, is pastoral formation right yeah and yeah that's kind of like i guess in your nursing degree it's sort of like how you treat the patient yeah it's like uh, clinical placement yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's not um it's not like the nu- the cellular biology or whatever yeah 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 and it's not the population it's actually the person that's in front of you um how do you encounter them and how do you take them for who they are and yeah 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 and, yeah. and also not like grill them you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but how do you um, yeah 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 
approach that in a healthy way. Yeah. No, that's both yeah. for you and for them, you know, um, because you know you you want to look after the the person when you're administering the sacraments or when you're having a pastoral encounter, but you also want to be aware that you know there are times, especially today, where <laughs> a priest or an individual can be in a vulnerable situation. Mm, mm, no, that's very cool. That's very cool. And so you've gone on this long process through engineering, through Europe, through seminary, and now you're a deacon. Mm. How does that feel for staff? <laughs> um, it hasn't really settled in yet, but it's, it's yeah. like even just the... Um, um, my mum said the other day, she's like, I didn't realise that you, you, you now wear the clericals or whatever, you know, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's you don't have to here in, in New Zealand, but it is encouraged. It's actually in canon law too. No, oh, right, Universal okay. canon law, but but it, it is encouraged um, and disencouraged in different ways. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, even just realising that I'm wearing something a bit different mm. that everyone kind of like looks a bit funny at, I don't, I don't realise. And then I'm like, oh, that's why they're looking at me like that. Yeah, or yeah. the other day I was outside the pub with my brothers and and we're talking to someone and he's like, where did you where did you guys come from? Like, because yeah. um, brother Thomas, my you know, Jake, course, was yeah. standing next to me and he's in his like habit garb. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, this is, this is like at a dress up party or something. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so it hasn't really settled in, but um, you know, it's 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 part of it. And um, yeah, I I went to mass this morning because um, I'm transitioning by just going out for a couple of days and I went to a parish and I was like oh, I should I'd offer to serve so I mm. offered the um, the priest to serve in that and, and it seems a, yeah it's quite surreal um, yeah, yeah I can imagine it's like um, I just like um, when I started getting more into liturgy and started thinking about the mass it's just seeing everything that happens on the altar it's like just like whoa it's like I can't even imagine being anywhere near that, you know. Mm. Um, but then, like uh, being part of like holy orders, it's, um, must be just something completely different. I mean, I mean, I suppose because like the role of the deacon is um, mainly is it mainly it's mainly in the community and preaching, if I'm correct. Yeah. So the deacon is um, like is there to serve, and it's it's to serve both in, in two two ways. Um, Firstly, in worship, and then, well, worship, so, you know, love God, love thy neighbor. So mm-hmm. in worship, and then also in um, good works. Um, so, you know, taking, um, you know, caring for the poor, um, ministering to those in need, um, and, and 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 sort of practicing what the, what the gospel preaches in that way. Um, and so, you know, you'd read about in the Acts of the Apostles, that yeah. the deacons, uh, seven deacons were... Were actually put in charge of, of taking care of the widows and the and the um, and the different aspects of the church, and and caring for the poor, and then also looking after administration and different things as well, mm-hmm. so that the apostles could preach, um, or that the apostles could do their work. Right. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's interesting because now we have you know the deacon is coupled very much with the word, mm-hmm. so proclaiming the gospel in the liturgy, and then also with um, assisting at the altar, um, the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanksgiving and and then also in in works outside of of that as well, um, but uh, yeah, there's there's a, there's a, a lot of debate too in theological circles as to the ministry of the deacon um, and what that um, ordinarily is because the deacon or the diaconate was actually kind of um, kind of rose up a bit after Vatican II, mm-hmm. 
and there was a bit of a, an emphasis more on the deacon after Vatican II with the, the idea of permanent deacons mm, mm. Um, because before Vatican II, after Trent, there was um, they kind of basically didn't have permanent diaconate. It wasn't, it wasn't common. It was, it was more transitional. So okay. it was always a, you know, a step towards priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Vatican II, they wanted to rise up this, um, or well, elevate it, not elevate it, but emphasize the, the ministry of permanent deacons mm-hmm. more. So, yeah. But oh. I am a transitional deacon, um, which slightly different, but it's still the same. Yeah. It just it just means that the end is, yeah, is is, is um, it's ordered towards priesthood, and so yeah, uh, same job, just only for a year. That's right. Yeah. Oh, very good. And so, like, uh, you've got this, you've got the, um, you're coming to the end of another kind of turning point in life where you've got, uh, you know, you, you, I suppose, as you were leaving your uh, engineering degree and you started thinking about the seminary, you know, you're now leaving the seminary in a year's time to become a priest. Walk us through uh, how you're feeling about that. Like, do you have, um, like, aspirations or do you have... Um, Dread, you know, <laughs> fear, crippled with fear. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, I mean, there's there's definitely an element of unknowing, mm-hmm. like, and that's that's bigger than you might think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, I mean, now I've been um, ordained a deacon. Like, you know, obviously the big the big call was made before diaconate. Like, as a transitional deacon, I've now taken um, promises of celibacy celibacy and obedience and then also praying the liturgy of the hours so the the office um and that's and that's that's um final it's you know that's decided um and that, that call has been made and 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 that response has been given and and that's a joy um but at the same time there's a lot of unknowing like i know what is going to be involved until halfway through next year when i finish uh, my studies um although Curveballs can come in the midst of that, but yeah, after that, in terms of ministry and 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 you know moving into priestly ministry, there is a lot of unknowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's part of life, um, and I guess there's an abandonment to the fact that you know I will have superiors over me um, for a long time still, mm. um, in a sense of ministering. Even um, you know the the bishop asks, go here, okay, I go there. Um, and the parish priest, because I'll be assistant priest for I don't know how long. Um, it's just, um, yeah, serving where the need is and also where I'm asked. And then also as things crop up and as um, the people of people of God might ask, you know, um, and serving in different ways. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's going to involve, but I do know that, um, yeah, my heart hopefully will be grafted to the Lord and, and will just sort of... Um, um, walk through it with him, and mm. it's 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 not something, you know, that's helpful to kind of like, you know, fall down in fear over. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there is a lot of unknown. Um, yeah. Even like, where's the first placement going to be? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So. Yeah, because you just, you get you just, you don't really get a choice as an assistant priest. You just get put wherever you need a day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they do dialogue with you, but it's like. Where yeah. would you like to go? And it's like, they know where you're going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that's interesting you said that. Because <laughs> that's not what we're sending. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it's, it comes with a docility, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, if if, if the person or the, the priest or the um, deacon doesn't feel like that 
they're ready to go there, then then they can make that known. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that like brings up a whole other thing. I think like I think with like our like millennial generation, the idea of obedience is quite um, you know counterintuitive, definitely countercultural. It's kind of like freedom, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like I be, being told by. Uh, a governing body that you can't can and can't do things you know especially i think it's a bit more extreme you know in the priesthood of like being um obedient to a bishop uh, i remember hearing a story i think it was about saint louis de montford of um he uh in his town he went into he went into all the like equivalents of like convenience stores bought all the uh you know uh, lewd magazines and put them in a pile and burnt them all and then his bishop said, stop it. And he said, okay, <laughs> just never did it again. It's like he was doing a really good, like, you know, spiritually good work, you know, keep, mm. keeping the people in his parish area away from uh, these uh, temptations. Sure. Um, and so, like, some more kind of, like, hardcore militant like Catholics was like, why is the bishop stopping him to do this? But, like, that, I mean, obviously, to have that fire within him to, to, to go and do something and plan to do something and carry out something like that, he's got a lot. Like yeah, let's do this, and then all of a sudden stop it. It's like okay, and you just get you just stopped. Mm. Um, how is how is obedience described to us a bit from your perspective? Like this idea of obedience and this like how does it play out as being a deacon and how will it play out being a priest? Well, like I guess firstly I just put it out there, um, and I think it comes in in life as well. But apparently most priests say that one of the hardest things in priesthood is obedience. You know, you got celibacy, and that's a big part of it. But apparently obedience is, is like that other weight. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, or, or perhaps that thing that crops up and it's just, it's tough. Um, but um, I think with obedience, it, it, it comes a great sense of um, freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like I was talking with someone the other day about, you know, because I've signed my life away, you know, mm-hmm. um, since I... For canon law, they have to have these things where it's like, yes, I voluntarily accept celibacy and, mm. you know, all these different things just to make sure. Um, but obedience is its one of those things where, yeah, I i feel in myself it's, yeah, it is, it, it, it may be hard at times, mm-hmm. but I think it, there comes a freedom with it, you know, um, and perhaps it's, you know, it comes a, an understanding of both sides, you know, obedience is something where, both parties have to learn about it, you know, where it's the person who is making the order mm-hmm. needs to know about the person who's underneath them mm-hmm. and the person who's underneath them needs to kind of understand that sense as well, you know. Like, why is it that the person's sending me here? Right. Or, or what good would come of it, you know. Yeah. Um, or, you know, perhaps I am doing something wrong and therefore I should stop doing that because he's asked me to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, you know, at the same time, you might think, well, he's just been lukewarm, you know? Yeah, why is he yeah. telling me not to do that when I, want, you know, I have this zeal and this fire? It's like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. can't I go and set the world on fire? It's like, well, it's probably probably not good when in hot weather, you know? Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. But I think with um, obedience, there comes a freedom. And yeah. um, that freedom could be something that we, we might strongly challenge. And mm. um, sometimes personalities just love to buck the freedom right yeah, yeah. Um, and that might make obedience harder for them yeah um, and other times there might be people that are quite smart you know they're quite intelligent and their, their superior might be not not as smart as them you know right um, but that doesn't mean that they can't f- 
follow the superior's orders, you know, mm. for the good of the church and for the good of the community. It's probably a good idea that they do. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obedience goes so far, you know. Yeah. Like you don't have to brush your teeth at 10 p.m. Like oh, okay, obedience. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. But praying the liturgy of the hours, offering mass, taking the sacraments to the people, mm. you know, that, that's that's necessary. That's that's key. Um, yeah. And if you're neglecting those, um, you know, prayer and that sort of thing. Um, and and care for the people, then you you probably will get you know kind of called back into line. Mm. But um, yeah, obedience is a, an interesting thing, and I think right now I have very little experiential knowledge. <laughs> okay. But maybe maybe seminaries helped a little bit. But okay. <laughs> Come back to you uh, in a few years once you're uh, yeah. a priest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Cool beans. Well, I think uh, that kind of brings us close to the hour mark. So thank you very much for joining us on this uh, podcast, which has been Curiously Catholic. I've been Curiously Catholic, and you've been questioned by me. So thanks for joining me. Thanks, thanks um, If anyone wants to find out a bit more about the seminary, where can they go and look? Um, there's the website, so um, holycross.org.nz. Um, but I would recommend if you're, if you're pondering um, uh, a vocation or something like that, I would encourage you to go to your local parish priest or a priest whom you um, admire or respect um, as, a, as a guy. Um, and then, yeah, if, if, um, if it's something that's placed in your heart, yeah, definitely check it out. Fantastic. Mm. So that you heard it there, if you want to look into becoming a priest, you've got, this, you've got the details there, go and find your own priest. Also, I'd like to direct you to our uh, Evangelion website. If you like the things that we're doing here, especially at Curiously Catholic, we are supported and run by Evangelion. So check us out on evangelion.co.nz and look out for any virtual conferences or podcasts or anything that we have going on there. We also have a good, very good blog page. So uh, check us out and uh, stay in touch. So God bless.